Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam. Pharmacists to care. And good morning to you. My name is Kathy Kayla. Thank you so much for choosing 101.9 High FM. And uh, hopefully you'll stay tuned for the next hour as uh, we go through this Discam Medical Monday. Actually, it's not, you know what, that sounded all wrong, didn't it? Something that we go through. No, it's a time of the week where we learn about the human body. Because the more, I've been doing Discam Medical Mondays now for almost 10 years. And the more I learn about the human body, the more I'm absolutely awed by how it operates. And, uh, yeah, one of, one of the, uh, one of the big, issues I think of the 21st century is that of ADD and ADHD and I've looked at this from so many different points of view both from personal interest as well as needing to to know my my stuff of what I'm talking about my topic and uh, you know from looking at how children exposed to television at a very young age and children who are not encouraged to crawl um, how that has an impact on the development of the human being to ADHD in adults and diagnosis as kids you know and uh, it's, it can be very very difficult for for children once they've once they've been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD and uh, that's what we're going to be talking about for the next hour we're going to be talking about ADD and ADHD and any questions that you have there's no such thing as a stupid question Right, and we don't learn unless we ask questions. Yeah, my guest is actually disagreeing with me on that. No, I'm excited and happy. (laughs) I'd like to welcome Dr. Shabir Jeeva. He is a psychiatrist. He um, practices at the Center for for, um, Advanced Medicine. And we are going to be talking about ADD and ADHD. Welcome. Welcome to High FM. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I was supposed to be in Israel today because the International ADHD Conference starts in Tel Aviv today. Wow. So I couldn't make it to there. So okay, maybe so you can come. <laughs> <laughs> we'll play some Hebrew music. <laughs> okay, so let's, let's start. What is ADD and what is ADHD? What is the difference between the two? Okay, uh, the father of ADHD is called Hallowell and he says the only difference is uh, the H, the hyperactivity. One has hy- overactivity and the other one, other one doesn't have. In the olden days, uh, we used to use the term ADD, attention deficit disorder, more common in girls, and we used to find ADHD more with activity more in boys. But they scrapped the term about eight, nine years ago, ADD, and now we only call it ADHD three types. The first type is the inattentive type, is the same as the old ADD, the same symptoms. The second one is the hyperactive uh, impulsive type that you usually see them flying around everywhere. And the most common type is a combination of all three, the combined type. So the combined type is 64, 64% of the kids. The inattentive type is 23% of the kids. And the very active ones are only about 13, 14% of the kids. So the movement is not the most important thing in diagnosis because many adults, they won't have hyperactivity. They have restlessness. So it's, oh, my, my child cannot be ADHD because he's not active. You don't need to be active. The inattention where they can't focus or as they get older, the inattention gets less. Uh, gets more, hyperactivity gets less, impulsivity gets less. Right, and uh, the ADD is usually so picked up the term around ADD. about... Okay, so what is the, the correct term? ADHD, three types. The one is... Uh, no A- more ADD. A- ADHD, three kinds. One is the inattentive type, which right. is exactly the same as the old ADD. Okay. Second is the hyperactive impulsive type. And third is the combined type, most okay. common type. All right, so this is... Why does it keep changing? 
we're, we're trying to not to forget the inattentive type because many people they misdiagnose the girls who are usually dreamy or the boys can be dreamy too so they miss that kind so they put it under one roof so we don't miss we look for all three kinds and if it's combination you'll see the activity but you forget to look for the inattentive part where they are dreamy spacey lazy and things like that how early can it be diagnosed uh, according to the DSM-5, we were diagnosing around 5 or 6, but the latest criteria that came out from the American Academy of Pediatrics, they said as early as 4, you can look for the symptoms, and if they are there, then uh, the first-line uh, treatment would be behavior therapy, but if, it's, there is a, if the behavior therapy doesn't do them well or it's not available, then and the kids are out of control or they can't manage them, then you could start medication as early as 4, which is a very, very new thing by the AAP, American Academy of Pediatrics. So around the age of four, you can start looking at the symptoms. You can do behavior therapy, but there is an opening if it's needed for medication if it's needed. If we don't do that first line, first line should be behavior therapy, age of four. Then around uh, the age of, uh, say, five and a half to 11, 12, uh, you need your your... Uh, behavior therapy together with the medication and then in adolescence you need a permission of the adolescents and the medications do very well. But the thing that has changed that now you can go as early as 4 and as late as 18 to diagnose it. This is very, very new. This is from the American Academy of Pediatrics. And yet so many adults are being diagnosed. Yes, we are about... That were never diagnosed. No, 70% of the kids go to adulthood and 82% develop some comorbidity, additional illnesses. So at this time, only 10 to 15% of the adults are treated, 85% are not diagnosed and treated, and about 70% of the kids are diagnosed and treated. When you say behavior therapy, what do you mean by behavior well, therapy? Well, if they have anger problems, anger management, if they have uh, problems with uh, impulsivity in any way, fighting with other kids, hitting the other kids, the pure cognitive behavior therapy is not the way to go is just behavior therapy and helping their behavior in management because there's a comorbidity or additional condition that goes with ADHD called ODD, Opposition Defiant Disorder. And this is totally related to behavior. They're naughty, they belligerent, they rude, the teachers and the principals usually throw them out of school. And the doctors must say they just say it's a naughty child or it uh, is a child who having uh, not behaving itself. And there are certain um, a symptom, they lose their temper, they argue with adults, they refuse to listen to the rules of adults, they deliberately annoy people, and they're touchy, sensitive, and angry. The way to diagnose that is that if you have a child that you loved all your life, and suddenly when nobody's looking, you feel like donoring them up, giving them one clout, that is ODD. They frustrate the parents so much, or even the teacher so much, that when nobody's looking, they do get a few shots. That's opposition, defiant disorder. That's the I've never mo- heard of this before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's the 70% of the ADHD kids have, op- have opposition, defiant disorder, and this is the main reason why they're thrown out of hospital, I mean out of school, uh, they're thrown out of home, and that. And the treatment is not the stimulants. You need breaks. As the, my, Hallowell, my chief, said, ADHD kids have a Ferrari brain and bicycle brakes. So the brakes are pop. So you've got to put in brakes. And there's other kind of medication like mood stabilizer that, that does magic results. And that comes in with behavior, cognitive yeah. behavior therapy. Yeah, but the behavior therapy takes too long. And they, they're in so much of trouble that you just have to go in with the medication because it, it just takes too long with the behavior therapy. How do you diagnose ODD? ODD, these are the symptoms. They lose their temper. They argue with adults. They refuse to listen to the rules of adults. They deliberately annoy people. They blame others. They're touchy. They're sensitive. They're angry, resentful, stubborn. As I said, 
if they're active, they'll have all these out-of-control symptoms. If they're inattentive, they'll be stubborn. And if you feel like knocking them or hitting them or clapping them, whatever word you like to use, then you know that's ODD. They frustrate the parents or the main key caregivers so much that by the time they come to my office, they've been knocked so many times. Really? In certain cultures, like Africana culture, they just knock the boys right in my office. They clap them, you know. And so that can be treated with mood stabilizers, something like epilum and Respirol. The stimulants only help super focus and retain retention. It doesn't help behavior that much. So we use a potpourri of medications if we're going to talk later on about medication. But the, oh, brakes, yeah, the brakes of the Ferrari is not the stimulant. Stimulant just helps super focus and retention. That's good. If you're inattentive, you don't need brakes. If you're hyperactive, impulsive or combined, you would need the brakes. And it works like magic. We have had many kids that are thrown out of school, thrown out of their homes, and with treatment, uh, they do very well. If you don't treat them, they go on to jail and they go into antisocial uh, behavior. And 40% of the kids in, in jail are opposition defined or sort of untreated. I definitely want to talk to you also about the, of the relationship between um, you know, children that are um, diagnosed with uh, with the ADHD and the the ADD or the ODD and um, narcotic drugs and you know recreational drugs drug yeah. use. So I definitely want to talk about that. No problem. My guest is Dr. Shabir Jiva. He's a psychiatrist. He practices at the Center for Advanced Medicine. It's uh, down the road in Waverley. If you've got any questions, you are welcome to uh, join the conversation. You're welcome to send them through, and uh, this is how you do it. Three four five one nine. That's the text line. Uh, those texts are charged at one rand fifty. You can also WhatsApp on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. We are live today, and uh, well, we are kind of alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Great. we'd be very happy to take your questions, With so you pleasure. can send them through, and you can actually send them through from anywhere in the world um, on air at highfm.com. That is the email address on air at highfm.com. Let's go back a little bit and try and understand ADHD. What is happening in the brain? Okay. It's a, as we, in definition, wife is a neurobiological condition uh, where there is, uh, it is highly genetic, 82% of the time it's genetic, and there's a shortage of certain neurotransmitters or chemicals. They are protein derivatives. So there's a shortage of dopamine, which is used for focus, and there's a shortage of norepinephrine, which is for impulsivity. So if you look at the, wor- uh, the word ADHD, AD is attention deficit, so there's a shortage of dopamine. They need more dopamine to focus. HD is hyperactivity disorder. There's a shortage of norepinephrine. So norepinephrine is called the brakes of the Ferrari, and AD, uh, 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 the AD is the dopamine is for focus. But the other thing is concurrently, the, uh, the dopamine also works on the pleasure center of the brain. So if there's a shortage of dopamine, the ADHD child or adolescent or adult is constantly looking to feel lacquer, to feel good. So there's an itch that uh, Hallowell says you have a need to scratch this itch. So the itch without treatment is chocolate, coffee, Coke, Red Bull. This is self-treatment. Chocolate, coffee, Coke, Red Bull, drugs, alcohol, Tiger Woods, sex. All these things that make you feel lacquer is the treat. It increases the dopamine, increases the norepinephrine, and that helps you focus or control yourself if you are not treated. But even if you're treated and you're still doing all these things, that means your treatment is not adequate. But basically the, the protein derivatives, two chemicals that are low or short in ADHD, so the jobs of the medication is to prevent 
the loss or the reuptake of your own natural dopamine and norepinephrine. That's what uh, Concerta Ritalin, Contramyelin, and that's what it does. It prevents the uptake or the loss of your own natural dopamine and norepinephrine. So if you have the right... If you have your own level of dopamine or epinephrine, the nerve transmission is adequate. If you don't have it, then you have to treat it. You can treat it holistically or medically, whichever way. It depends on the severity of the condition. Is there a relationship between ADHD and depression? The reason I ask is because um, I know that with dopamine, you know, when I, the minute I heard dopamine, well, there's a, there's a word that I know. Yeah. Um, the same thing happens in a lot of antidepressants is that uh, I think that it builds your, your dopamine reserves and your serotonin. Yeah, okay. That's a very interesting question because most of the uh, uh, antidepressants that you might know, like Ciprolex, Zolo, Prozac, they work on serotonin, SSRIs, right? And some of the dual action works on serotonin and norepinephrine. So norepinephrine is short in ADHD, uh, not really serotonin. And dopamine is short. So you need, when a patient, when a patient... In adult, what happens? One of five things happen when you don't treat them. 10% end up with trouble of the law. 35, 40% untreated end up with anxiety and depression in ADHD. So it's part of ADHD. Wow, that's hard. Very yeah. low percentage, 15% end up in bipolar disorder. So bipolar and ADHD are cousins. And lastly, 50 to 60% end up in substance abuse. So you're talking about depression. That is the end result of untreated ADHD in adolescents and adults. But you have to treat them with medication, not that increases the serotonin like the SSRIs. Most family doctors do that, which is wrong. They need to use medication that increases the dopamine and norepinephrine. So there's certain antidepressants like Wellbutrin. It works on both those, uh, those neuro, works on those two neurotransmitters. The SSRIs don't. They only work on serotonin. So most doctors, because out of habit, we tend to give uh, SSRIs for anxiety and depression with great success over the years. But an ADHD doesn't work well. So if you miss the diagnosis, your first habit would be just to give the SSRIs like Xylof, Prozac, whatever you like, uh, Prozac, Xylof, Zoloft, whatever you like. And that doesn't work very well. You need to give something that increases the, the, the dopamine and norepinephrine. And so there we've got drugs like Wellbutin, we've got the Brintelex, and we've got Valdoxin. So you need to have some dopamine and norepinephrine. If you use a dual-action drugs like uh, Effexor and that, it works on a norepinephrine, which you need, but you don't have dopamine, so you need to add dopamine. So many times in adolescents and adults that are depressed, we add the antidepressant, not the SSRI type, the other kind, and you can add a stimulant with it. You can add uh, Ritalin, Concerta, Contramile, Nucon, whichever one you like. So they work together. You need dopamine and you need norepinephrine. These are protein derivatives, chemicals. They need both of them. Mm, and they're short, they short in ADHD. So if you're very active, you don't have enough norepinephrine. If you're very spacey and dreamy, you don't have enough dopamine. If you're combined, which is the most common kind, you have a shortage of both. So your job is whichever way to increase naturally with holistic treatment or with medication, the dopamine and norepinephrine. Could it be that young children who have previously been diagnosed with AD, um, ADD are actually just depressed. Well, they would... Uh, but they're dreamy, um, but they don't have the hyperactivity. They don't need the hyperactivity. They're dreamy, but they, w- they wouldn't have vegetative signs like appetite, sleep, and all that other stuff that depression comes with. This, no, there's only two conditions where you get dreamy. You're right, depression and ADHD inattentive type. But ADHD inattentive type, you get a good family history, you get a pregnancy history, you get an uncle's history, you get a school, you get a whole uh, uh, fast history and you can work it out. And the parents say the child is dreamy, spacey, forgetful, not, not listening to them. 
and uh, also things like um, no follow through, can't organize, loses things. So these are the symptoms. In depression, you'll, they won't have much of an effort, and all the faculties will be affected. Yeah. You know. Whereas in inattentive type, they'll still enjoy their food and they'll enjoy their sleep and they'll in, enjoy their friends. But in depression, they start losing all the, the listlessness. Yeah. Yes, the connection and things like that. Yeah, very interesting. If you've got any questions for my guest, Dr. Shabir Jeeva, he's a psychiatrist. He specializes in children. In adults. In, oh, in children sorry. and adults. Yes, throughout, yes. <laughs> okay. But, sorry, you specialize in ADHD. That's, well, I knew you specialized in, in something very significant. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Shabir Jeeva, he practices at uh, the Center for Advanced Medicine. We're talking about ADHD today, and I'd be very interested to know what questions you have. Send them through, and uh, I will definitely pose them to him. Has there been established uh, – we were talking brief, briefly before we came on air, and you explained to me that ADHD is – Genetic, right? Highly genetic. So, how far back does it go? Because the first time I started hearing about it was when I had children. I mean, it's, it's still relatively new, right? As a as a discovery, because when I was growing up, kids in my class who were inattentive or who were hyperactive, you know, they went and they did a job with their hands. Yeah, they, they became. Plumbers they call or them. They, they call them lazy, crazy, or stupid. That's the title of a book. You mean I'm not lazy, crazy, or stupid? That's the inattentive type. Yeah. The teachers don't know what to do with them. They put them in the back of the class. They put the very naughty ones in front. That is combined type, and they put the very uh, in, uh, kids that have no ADHD in the middle. So they spend about 65 percent of time with the front naughty guys. They spend about 30 percent. Or 25% with the ones uh, in the middle that's got no ADHD, there's 90%. By the time they come to the back of the class, the bell rings and those poor, mostly girls, they don't get time. And those girls get 55% and they just cruise through. They don't get A's and they don't get Z's and they don't get into trouble. And that's the inattentive type that's usually missed. Yeah. But in the olden days, we used to say inattentive is mainly in girls. But today it can be in any sex. Any sex can get any kind. So it's not exclusive to girls, but that's usually missed because they say, oh, uh, she'll outgrow it or uh, he's just lazy. As I said, lazy, crazy, or stupid, the title of the book. And those are the ones that's difficult to diagnose. The ones that are active and flying around, everybody knows that. You, I mean, the the, 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 we, guy, all the had those, we all had those impossible <laughs> children. Just the guy at the supermarket <laughs> will tell you about him. But it's the other ones that dreamy, spacey, lazy, and they... Uh, Bright kids, as Hallowell said, Ferrari brain and bicycle brakes. The IQ is not the problem. The EQ is the problem. We don't have a problem with Richard Branson, Tom Cruise, Robin Williams. These are all uh, Einstein, Kennedy. They're all bright people. So, but they couldn't finish school. Yeah, yeah, many of them couldn't finish school. There was no treatment. So they, but, they were creating but, things. Yeah. Does, could the school system support our children better? Definitely, there's a, uh, it's very unfair, but the problem is the majority of our classes are not private schools. They're very big, so the teachers don't have enough time. Although the world statistics of ADHD is 11%, but in every class, you'll at least get one out of three, which is very high ADHD. And if they're active and impulsive, they will just distract the other kids, and the teachers don't have enough time. So either they consequence them by throwing them out or hitting them if they still do things, but uh, we have to help the teachers. The teachers play a very vital role in ADHD and the parents. I mean, more than all this medication stuff, the medication, all that is secondary. The main thing is what do we do in, in class? What do we do in t- with the teachers? Well, how do we help the parents? Whenever you're ready, I can dis- we can discuss that. 
the, the teachers play an ultra important role. The problem okay. is that the teachers should not tell the parents your child has ADHD. Then you're going to close the shop already. There's no nobody wants to talk to a teacher who says you got ADHD. So and the teacher shouldn't also talk about Ritalin because that's not the job of the teacher. That's the job of the doctor, whoever the doctor is. So teachers no Ritalin and no ADHD. But sure, please help the parents and say your child uh, seems bright like the rest of the family and your child is not doing so well. So would you consider some sort of assessment and we'll we'll see. What what comes up, but your ch- child seems to be bright, but not getting the marks that's expected of you. And the first thing, the parents will feel very criticized. They feel very offended. How can you say we are a successful, affluent family? How can you say my child is uh, got ADHD or is crazy or something, whatever term you want to use? So we have to help the teachers to help the parents. Now, if the kids are naughty in class and the teachers wait for the parents to come in the afternoon and say, your child did this and your child did that. What can the parents do? Nothing. The parents have already seen this for a long time. The teachers should help the parents to get some assessment from anybody like us or anybody or look, read books or look at websites or things like that and get some help. No, what, throwing the problem back to the parents doesn't help. The parents have seen this weekend, weekdays, all the time. Help the parents. I feel sorry that you're having this difficulty. You might be having this difficulty over the weekend too. Should, could we consider some help in any way? So become friends. You need a teacher in a school that is very specialized in ADHD. Every teacher doesn't know and doesn't like ADHD. It's like all doctors don't know about ADHD, and they don't all like ADHD. So if you don't like your doctor or he doesn't know enough about ADHD, change your doctor. Actually, the best information you can get about ADHD is from a friend who has an ADHD child. She's done all her homework already. And then you can get from books, Hallowell's book, Driven to Distraction. Now the best book is Delivered from Distraction. It's in the back of your book list, Delivered from Distraction by well, he wrote about 19 books and he's the father of ADHD. So secondly, books. Thirdly, website. Today, we have a lovely website, but all over the, all over the world, there's fantastic websites, uh, Chad and whichever one you like. And follow the websites and blogs and things like that. And people are very tuned in these days to ADHD. And there's a lot of help. The treatment is great. If you get proper treatment, the sky's the limit. You can do very well. What happens if, if somebody opts not to have treatment? Well, we first explain to them the holistic treatment, which in mild cases, it's more important than possibly medication. So the holistic treatment, I'll just take a few minutes on that if it's okay. Sure. The most important part of the holistic treatment is exercise, exercise, exercise. And exercise increases these neurotransmitters, the dopamine and the norepinephrine. So that's what you need. But the latest work they did in the world on exercise is you need five days a week. So you don't need it just two, three times a week. And if it's kids, you get a bicycle or you get a trampoline, something they can jump on all the time. Or if they up to it, martial arts is great. Most of our Canadian kids used to put, put in karate and taekwondo and judo. And they did well. Don't worry, they're not going to hit anybody. They're not going to knock anybody. So don't be afraid. It's more in defense. So the rule is five days a week, 80 to 90% your heart rate, 30 to 45 minutes, you must sweat, no goofing off, no, you must sweat half cardio and half resistance training. That is the order of the day in the exercise. Next is majority of them in the holistic treatment, we give them omega-3. In North America, they use omega-3, 6, 9. South Africans tend to like omega-3 more and we give it to the kids at night. The diet is ultra important. 
I'm just going through the holistic treatment. Is that okay? No, it's, it's yeah. absolutely fine. In the no, diet, you increase the protein, like egg white. Is all of this on your website? Yes. Okay, so at the end, we'll actually give all the details yeah, and your it's contact all on the details. Website. I'll just okay. go fast and they can go on the website. So diet is important. They increase the protein, egg white, white chicken, lentils, white fish, South Africans, biltong. You cut down carbs, bread, rice, potato, pasta. Because the neurotransmitters are proteins. So you've got to eat uh, proteins, right? Next is cut down stimulating foods. Now, what are stimulating foods? Coffee, Sugar, sugars, yeah. sweets, smoking, coffee, chocolate, Coke, Red Bull, alcohol, prescription drugs, street drugs. All these things make you feel lacquer, but they increase the dopamine, norepinephrine. The problem is you develop tolerance for coffee or for chocolate. So you, then tolerance after a while becomes pre-addiction. So you eat one chocolate today and next year two, and after five years you eating ten chocolates or... Ten, uh, two liters of Coke, you just increase it, increase it because the caffeine in the, in the Coke or in the fizzy drinks, that is a stimulating thing. It's not the calories, the caffeine. Okay, so the only Coke drink in South Africa that's good for ADHD is Tab, which is boring, but that's what it is. Coke Zero and that they have caffeine. Caffeine is our enemy, not calories for the kids. The okay. ca- caffeine makes you fly and all that, right? What about, okay. Yeah, go ahead. No, you got, you're doing well on your list. And then the next thing is that for kids at school, you uh, they might need a tutor for the subjects. They're not good. If they get to adolescence and adulthood, you'll see the soft signs get worse, like time management, organization, procrastination, financial management, ending in anxiety and depression. There you'll need a coach. So we have an ADHD coach that works out our office, and she teaches you these skills. The PILS does not teach you skills. So how to manage your time management organization and these skills, you need a coach to teach you. Or even in school, they need to teach you studying techniques, which our coach does. So she's excellent. I still go to her for time management. I'm late half the time. So uh, I was early <laughs> you today. You did quite well today, actually. <laughs> because uh, we mapped it, uh, Chai FM in Paris. And so, God, this is not going to take Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. That's actually a Canadian one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, then uh, we talked about uh, behavior therapy in the initial part of treatment. And then the next thing is that... Um, Mindfulness training is the newest thing, about 10, 12 minutes at a time, in, even in kids and adolescents, where you fo- uh, stop, focus, and see why you're feeling like that. And they've been using it in adolescents, adults successfully, but now they're using it in kids also. So mindfulness Fantastic. training is short spurts of meditation, not uh, the long hours and getting bored. And it is based on, if you use the mnemonic uh, uh, when, fat, when you're frustrated, you act and then you think. You might get remorseful. So, in, so when you're frustrated, you mustn't act. Take the thing, the F-A-T, take the T second. Frustrated, stop, think, pause, and then you act. Why am I feeling lousy? Why am I feeling hungry? Why do I want to hit that guy? Why am I feeling like that? Oh, he irritated me. Okay, I know why. So I'm not going to knock him. Otherwise... And you don't have to act. Right. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. So that's just, uh, mindfulness training is the newest thing. Sleep is ultra important because 50% of the ADHD kids do not sleep. And of course, if it's not treated, it, it goes on to adulthood. So that is uh, very important that why they're not sleeping. If you have chronic problems with sleep and all the sleeping tablets have been used and all the antidepressants have been used and it's still not working, don't be afraid to use a stimulant paradoxically. Ritalin or whichever stimulant you like would put them off to sleep. Because it, it, it is, really? the, yes, it is part of the ADHD, the sleep problem, and the stimulants are the treatment. So they would, they would sleep. And people say, oh, uh, stimulants uh, uh, stimulate you and excite you. How can you put somebody that's sleepy to sleep? But paradoxically, it does work. So, that is very yeah, interesting. And you can only try it one or two days, and if it works, Bob's your uncle, you're on your way, you know. <laughs> 
How important is it that children are diagnosed and treated before the age of 15? And the reason I ask is this. I remember reading a study that it was done on a a bunch of 15-year-olds, I think thousands of 15-year-olds, and that what, what the research was trying to establish is what is the relationship between Um, drug addicts who have become addicts at a younger age and their ability to give up um, their habit versus drug addicts who became drug addicts later in life and their ability to give up. And what they found was that at the age of 15, um, well, up until the age of 15, the, the human brain duplicates and duplicates and duplicates and duplicates and it develops all these different um you know, these different nerve centers, right? One of them is the pleasure center. At the age of 15, it goes through a a pruning process. The different centers that aren't stimulated get pruned away. And a child who um, has had that that pleasure center stimulated uh, through um, drugs, narcotics, whatever it is at the age, at the age of 15 or before, it becomes almost impossible for them to give up drugs because that is now a fundamental part of their brain structure. So how does that relate to ADD and ADHD? Okay. The thing, uh, the thing is like this. If you, have, if you are a patient that has ADHD and uh, you are not treated, the risk of be- uh, getting substance abuse later on is about 75%. Right? Why? Uh, because the the drugs and alcohol and coffee and chocolate make you feel lacquer. So you have a constant need to feel lacquer. And different people uh-huh. have different lacquers. The healthy lacquer is exercise, protein, diet, meditation. The not so healthy lacquer is chocolate, coffee, coke, Red Bull, drugs, alcohol, that stuff. The tertiary not so lacquer is workaholic, money, power, cyber addiction, internet addiction. It makes you feel lacquer. And the dangerous lacquer is drugs, alcohol, um, Tiger Woods sex, uh, sex uh, street, all kinds of drugs, street drugs, glue, and all that. Anything that's dangerous, risky, but makes you feel lacquer. So you have a constant need to go back to it. So if you're not treated, you have that need, that urge, and you go back to it. So and you'll just keep finding. Yes. You'll just keep so poking until you find If you, if you have ADHD something. and you are, you are not treated then there's a 75% chance of uh, untreated ending up, a 60 to 75% chance of ending up in substance abuse. But if you're ADHD and you're treated, including with stimulants, stimulants protect you from looking for more lacquer. So your risk from 75% drops to about 28%. And the normal control, people who do not have ADHD, there's about 22% risk of becoming uh, a druggie. So normal people without ADHD, without treatment, 22% risk, ADHD without treatment, 75% risk, and mm. ADHD with treatment drops from 75 to 28 is nearly as close to 22. So actually the stimulants or treatment protects you from becoming a druggie because we have the constant need to feel lacquer. And drugs is drugs, food, drinks, whatever. is, is one, uh, th- Those things make you feel lacquer. So you constantly go back to feeling lacquer and you go back to drugs. Now, many of the guys in the rehab centers are ADHD, but most rehab centers don't treat ADHD. They just uh, tell, stop the medication, uh, stop the drugs and stop this and stop this. Hallowell says you've got to replace it with something, either uh, camaraderie or connection or medication or coach, but you cannot just stop the drugs because you go back to it, you relapse because you still have that urge, the need to 
Find a lacquer cake. And everybody's lacquer is different. Some girl, it might be chocolate cake. Some guy might be drugs and alcohol. Some guy may be money. Some might be power. Some might be sex. Everybody is a different uh, relapse thing that you go back to. So that is the reason to protect yourself. You need treatment. If you don't treat them, then they end up in these things. As That's I said, uh, depression, anxiety, substance abuse, 50 to 60 percent substance abuse. And it is sad because if it's in a family and all are high functioning and one child is different and the genes are good, what's wrong? There must be ADHD somewhere there. So with ADHD, 50 to 60 percent untreated become uh, substance abuse. So if the substance abuse, look at the ADHD, look for it. It is there. It is very high. You know, and people are constantly looking for something to feel lacquer. My guest is Dr. Shabir Jeeva, and uh, Jane wants to know if I could please spell your name. J E E V A. There we go. Jeeva. Yes, Doctor Shabir Jeeva. He practices at. He's a psychiatrist. He he uh, specialises in ADHD, and he practices at the Center for Advanced Medicine. We have a good website. All this, these things are on the website. Uh, Please read www.adhdclinicjiva.com. It's a long word, but it's got all the uh, articles and questionnaires and radio and TV shows. That they can download whatever they want. Okay, so adhdclinicjiva.com. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the website. What I'll do is I'll actually share it on the HiFM Facebook page, and then you'll be able to uh, just access it that way because often, uh, you know, everybody's driving and... Nobody drives around with pen and paper to write it down. Um, pleasure. Okay, Magdalena says, very informative. Thank you for this topic today. Doctor, I'm in my 50s and have bipolar disorder since I was 17 years old. I'm on Lamatison and Venlaw. Yes. And reached a level of stability and manageability. However, I have a new friend that has ADHD and anxiety. He came to visit us from Europe for a month and he drove me dilly. Really seemed to bring out the worst in me. He has a heart of gold and I'd hate to hurt him. Uh, is it our two disorders that are clashing here? And would there be any future for our friendship or should we call it a day? No, no, no. Yes, the, the two conditions are cousins. Relationship advice. They from are, they're, they're actually cousins. 15% really? of ADHD sometime in their life might switch to bipolar and 25% of bipolar might switch to ADHD. So that's why many patients, the first thing their family say, oh, he's crazy, he's got, many, uh, he's got bipolar disorder. Actually, it was ADHD that wasn't diagnosed adequately. So if that guy, the main presentation in ADHD untreated would be anxiety, especially in women. So if you treat the ADHD, the anxiety will subside and he'll be a nice, lacquer guy. And for her, uh, maybe she should uh, just exercise more and discuss with him about uh, uh, frustrating you. Maybe her lamictin that she's on, maybe the dose is not adequate. I don't know, you couldn't do blood levels, but lamictin is a mood stabilizer and helps you stay in the middle so you don't, nobody ruffles you. So maybe he ruffled you, but no. Why should these people deprive uh, uh, themselves of a relationship? Go for it. Just get proper assessment and treatment. There it's you good go. hope. Yes, the world needs more love. Yes. It's <laughs> the only way. ADHD are brought up in a, what we call a CDE environment. They're brought up in a criticizing, demanding, expecting environment. So we need a non-criticizing, non-demanding, non-expecting mm. teacher and parent. If you can look at the funny part of ADHD and be kind and gentle and don't expect 101%, you're on your way. You're constantly like a school teacher and criticize them and put them down. They're ADHD. They are different from other kids. Look at the strengths. Hallowell said it's a strength-based treatment. Look what they are good at, not what you want them to be good at. 
look at what they are good at and bring that out and you'll enjoy them and you'll see the magic in them. How, why do some therapists enjoy the kids so much? Because they bring out the positive in them. No criticizing. Criticizing, criticizing, criticizing. That's the hallmark of ADHD. Get away from that. They are different kids. Do you know about indigo children? Do you know about the indigo children? No, I don't know that much. I've usually been asked this question, but I don't have much experience in that. But they have some traits similar. And um, I don't know. They said some of the kids in the Cape who are what you call fetal alcohol syndrome, they, they call them, they say they have indigo children type of symptoms, but I don't have much experience. So in the indigo child um, is actually, it's a pseudo uh, scientific new age kind of uh, um, idea that there's a new generation of children that that mankind is evolving and changing. And these children, it, it doesn't include uh, fetal alcohol syndrome. Good. These children are children who are, they have um, violet or indigo um, uh, yeah. auras, mm-hmm. and their eyes are slightly bigger. Their ears, they don't have a, a lobe. They their ears go straight and attached to their head. Um, there's, there's a whole way that you can recognize them, and it was actually written, um, the idea is based on concepts developed in the 1970s by um, Nancy Ann Tapp. Um, she, was a, she, was, she was a writer and she was a psychologist. So it's, it's very interesting. Like I if know, you, if quite you a few patients like ask that. I, I, I don't know enough, uh, enough experience with that, but that's interesting what you just said. Yeah, look, it's, it's non-scientific because when you start talking about auras, but, it, but you also speak about treating your patients holistically. And there has to be a spiritual aspect to Definitely. that. Spiritually is ultra important. Uh, if you, we continue with, uh, with the holistic treatment, uh, they said if you, if you pray five times a day, and you exercise, you might not need your medication if you exercise five really? times a day. Like Jennifer Lopez, she exercises five times a day, so she doesn't need a medication because the impact of exercise lasts about four hours in the morning and two and a half hours in the afternoon. So if you divide the whole day by two and a half or four, if you exercise, that's five times a day. If you exercise five times a day or meditate five times a day together with it, you might not need your medication. So all the sportsmen and uh, dancers, and Jennifer Lopez is a typical example. She exercises or dances, exercises all day or five times a day, so she doesn't need a medication. It's amazing how many people who have really gone on to achieve extraordinary things in the world um, are people who are active, uh, what's it, (laughs) ACDC, ADHD, I find I find that amazing. It's obviously, yeah, just Michael, the management. Mike, Michael Phelps and all these guys is you know he's a very ADHD. Uh, Michael Phelps won most gold medals in the world in sure. swimming, and he does he does magic. Sure, because every time he was impossible, his parents would throw him in the pool and say, "Swim, buddy." Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so exercise is ultra ultra important. You know, if you've got nothing to do, don't put the kid in the corner in the class and punish him. Let him run around the block, around around the yard. Keeping a child in uh, in detention does not help at all. Actually, it's boring. They don't learn anything. They're going to just repeat the same thing. So for the teachers, don't put them in a corner. There's a feel of some exercise. Let them run around, and that's the best. 
treatment. The second best treatment is to have a relationship with the parents, which is very important. And the parents, what can they do at home? They can read for the child. They can help the child get organized. They can also uh, try and see if the child needs a computer, which other way can the child learn. And then the schools give special accommodations to these children. We have a world form, and the most uh, most standard accommodation that we have is number one, sit in sit in front and middle, and and number and number two is that get twenty to twenty five percent more time for exams, tests, and projects. So this helps the kids, especially the inattentive type, that they do not finish their work. Now it's very important to listen to that carefully because if you're asking for fifteen to twenty five percent more time and they agree on it. But the the subjects are 45 minutes, uh, the periods, I mean. And then when are they going to give the child more time? They can't because you go into the next period and the next period and the next period. Then the teachers have to cut down the work to 85% because how is the child going to get the extra time? Because uh, they don't don't finish. uh, when When the period finishes, they didn't get the extra time. So they're lagging behind the other kids because they didn't get the work done. So the extra time, they, they need less time. And Russell Barkley feels that most of the schoolwork must be done at school. It mustn't go home, especially to the parents who do the homework. Schoolwork stays at school. Homework stays at home. Who's Russell Barkley? Russell Barkley is he is, the headmaster? No, Russell Barkley is a world-famous psychologist who was father of uh, ADHD2. He, he, he did all the criteria in DSM-5, the Bible of ADHD. So the, he and Hallowell are the two, guru, two gurus okay. in ADHD. He, and he is in uh, near Connecticut. And so he he says that these kids shouldn't even repeat the grades because it's going to be boring. You should put them forward and teach them some other things. But boredom is a hallmark of ADHD. In children, is boredom. In adults, is procrastination. So in regular people, they procrastinate. They usually say, okay, I'm going to make a structure. I'm going to make a list, one, two, three, four, five. And they go through one, and they finish one, they go to two, three. But in ADHD, if they have a list of five, and the first one is most important, whether if the email comes in or phone rings, then they'll go to the phone, and then they'll go to number five, and they'll go to number three. And by the end of the day, the main one, they forgot it, where they didn't have time, they ran out of time. So anything that comes in the way is important. Everything becomes equally important. There's no priority. The one to five in hierarchy, one is the most important. But people who are not ADG, they stick to one, and then they finish it, and they stick to two, and they stick to three. But ADG, everything becomes important. So the priorities change. So they lose out. And sometimes the most uh, important thing or the toughest thing is left for the end, and then they lose out, and they have to push it the next day, and they get into trouble. I found this absolutely fascinating. I could listen to you for another three hours. Thank you. <laughs> My guest is Dr. Shabir Jeeva. He's a psychiatrist. He specializes in ADHD. And, uh, yeah, his website is ADHD Clinic Jeeva. J-E-E-V-A dot com. I will post the link on the morning, well, actually on the, on the High FM Facebook page. Um, Mike Lubo says Phelps succumbed to drug abuse when he retired from swimming. He then staged a comeback. Exactly what you said. Mm. Exactly what you said. So you needed something to feel lacquer. There's the drug abuse. Secondly, swimming increases the neurotransmitters. So it was part lacquer. of his feeling lacquer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we have a constant need. 
But when he's fully controlled, he does magic, right? Nobody has done what he's done in a lifetime. The other thing about superior IQ and ADHD, many parents uh, listening today might have kids that are very bright. That's fine. But ADHD is not exempted from them. The problem with ADHD and superior IQ, there's a delayed recognition because the kids are so bright in everything and the ADHD is missed. And the symptoms come out later and the teachers don't want to give them all these accommodations because they say it's unfair. These kids are already bright. They're already in the first three. And how can you give them more time or how can you give them more benefits? But then they expect less from these kids and the kids get into difficulty. And as they grow older, uh, 42% of the high school uh, of these superior IQ kids are dropouts in high school at least once. And 40% of the superior IQ ADHD young adults are employed at unemployed evaluation. So it doesn't mean you're going to be super bright, you're going to get a super bright job. No, it's the fit that's important that's missing. So it's very important. doesn't mean your child is doing very well, especially, I suppose, in the Indian culture and maybe in your culture, in every, any culture. If the kids are doing very well at school, they cannot be ADHD. That's the furthest, no, exactly. from, furthest from the truth. Exactly. You know, I mean, if you look and at... And also we uh, push our children. Yeah. It's too, very much, very much in the Indian culture as well. Highly, highly. And, Indian uh, mothers and Jewish mothers, it's the same person. <laughs> <laughs> you need kindness, you need TLC. Same person. Uh, you, you, you need things like that. So, uh, if you could des- if you could design a school for children with ADHD, what would it look like? Would it have formal classes? What would it look like? No, uh, my son went to the Montessori, sc- Montessori school in Canada, and you know the Montessori, Montessori concept is all loose and going everywhere. Then when he started a private school or a regular school, he was out of focus. He couldn't, didn't know what the hell to do. Everything was too structured. Sure. Yes, we need structure, but we need open concept. It helps a lot. We need a lot of exercise. We need shorter periods. We don't need long periods. There are kids who are ADHD. They can't sit still, so you get, to get them to stand or go to the washroom or walk around or do something or send them to the, be a prefect or send them to the washroom, whatever you like. The other thing is the teachers, the qualities certain qualities that the teachers need in this in this new school it's a, it's um it's an interesting question so i'm going to tell you certain uh, qualities that we want from these teachers number 1 they have to know about adhd Number two, they have to like ADHD. If you don't like ADHD, you can't be the teacher in charge of the ADHD kids. If you've got because this we are constantly yeah. in trouble. We all Something goes wrong all the time. That's the order of the day. But it's not bad trouble. It's just you must laugh it off and get on with it. Secondly, you must know the different management methods. You don't consequence them with detention that's boring. You don't hit them anymore. You don't do things like that. Patience is the order of the day. The next is that... The parents are going to ask you about uh, holistic treatment. Parents are going to ask you about non-medication treatment. Parents are going to ask you about medication. They're going to ask you about all these things. So you better be careful. You better know all the treatments. If you're not comfortable, tell them, okay, I'll refer to your, to your doctor or your psychologist or whoever uh, works with this. You must have a positive attitude towards these children. And you must be able to work in a, in a team, in, in an interdisciplinary team. You must work together. Now, Russell Barkley says that we've got to reduce the homework in the ADHD child. He feels that uh, they, they, don't, they don't need more than 1.5 to 2.5 hours a night. But our kids are sitting till, sure, mi- till, mi- our kids are sitting till midnight doing homework, right? Two and a half uh, hours of homework a night. No, that's maximum that's as an uh, adolescent. But it's so a lot. You, you shouldn't do For high school, it's 1.5 to 2 hours. And for, for the younger kids, it's less. He says homework is not very important, as Russell Barkley says. He says by not doing homework, the loss is only 2 to 6%. 
So the loss of not doing homework in your results is much uh, less than doing homework and struggling. And he's not very keen on homework. And all the parents usually ask that, okay, what about music and noise and all that? Now, these ADHD kids get bored, very adolescents get very bored easily. So they have the head, head pieces and they listen to music. So that's fine. Because if they listen to music, they once again feel lacquer. The dopamine goes up. The norepinephrine goes up. Now they say, okay, I'm ready. Now what's the homework? Let me do the homework. But if there's nothing to feel lacquer, the homework is boring. They hyper-focused on PlayStation and Game Boy for nine hours. But for homework, they, hyper, they only focus for nine minutes. So sure, they can focus on things that are exciting and uh, enjoyable. But things that are boring and difficult, they switch off. So my child doesn't have ADHD. He sits at the computer for nine, ten hours. Sure, he's playing games, PlayStation, Game Boy. He doesn't even eat. He goes right through. So we, the two biggest problems in the world for ADHD today is one is bullying and number two is cyber addiction. That they become bullies or they are bullies? Uh, interesting question. Last week uh, I had a boy. I said, uh, he said bully. I said, what do you mean bully? Are you the bully or you become bully? As you said, well, here's hyperactive combined. He said, the guy's irritated. I knocked him. I'm the bully. But the inattentive types are teased, cajoled, and they are uh, uh, they receive the bully. They be, they They're victims. Uh, victim, uh, victims of the bullying. And it's very sad. And 40% of the kids are bullied in school and the teachers don't know. The parents don't know. And every time we ask the teacher, did you tell your teacher no? Did you tell your parent no? Did you cry? Yes. Where did you cry? I went to the washroom quietly and, and, I, and I cried there. So bullying is a big problem. And the other big problem is cyber addiction, internet addiction, PlayStation, Game Boy. Yeah, screen time. S- screen time. Now, in North America, they're encouraging uh, three hours on Saturday, three hours on Sunday. Weekdays, they must earn the extra time. That means they must eat, they must exercise, they must do their homework. And if the homework is good and the room is clean, they must buy it from their mother. They must earn. So, Mommy, I clean my room. Can I have half an hour of time? Or I set the table or whatever she wants her to do, I must earn it. You just uh, can't carte blanche, give them the tablet and they must play as much as they want like a babysitter. No, because the Germans found a condition uh, uh, which they call digital dementia. And they found in a study in Korea where that um, about 22 to 23% of the kids have this digital dementia because they all have cell phones. But the problem with digital dementia is the word says dementia like the older people and the digital what we know. But the Germans are worried that it's irreversible. That is the problem. It's irreversible. So it it literally fries the brain. So parents have to be very careful about how much you give them all the stuff. Sure, you find great research and great things, but there are also things can go wrong. So they have to be restricted. We've got to go closer to exercise, move the legs rather than the fingers. So uh, cyber addiction, you have to be careful and you have to control and restrict them and monitor it carefully. Absolutely amazing. I'm, I've just gone onto your website. I'm going to share the link. No problem. Um, I'm speaking to Dr. Shabir Jeeva. We're going to talk about medications next. But uh, I urge you to go and take a look at his website. It's uh, ADHDclinicjeeva.com. Or if you just put in ADHD clinic, Google actually brings it up as a suggestion. So go and check the website it's got a lot of resources it's there's a self test there's ADHD and women there's a suggested reading list there's testimonials uh, you can go and there's radios and TV and articles yeah. you can download whatever they want you can even go and check out Dr. Jeeva's desk <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you get all the information about ADHD, upcoming events, about Dr. Jeeva. He's got downloads and uh, 
just an example of some of the stuff that you can download. You can download a holistic approach to ADHD, lifestyle changes, top 10 questions on ADHD. That's from Dr. Hallowell. Um, ADHD in the workplace. These are, these are, if, I, if we had to talk about every different topic related to ADHD, we, we would be able to do every day of the year a show. We'll come back once a month. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Can we talk about medications? Yes, How yes. do they work? Okay. Because you said this is a genetic disorder. Yes. Um, so how do, the, how do the medications work? Okay. Uh, now, there's a shortage of dopamine right. and no epinephrine. That's right. the premise, right? That's right. where we start. So if you don't treat the condition, the body uh, uh, loses uh, its own dopamine and norepinephrine. So you want to reserve or preserve your own dopamine and norepinephrine. Sure. So, for example, use Ritalin. We're going to use Ritalin. We can use Concerta. We can use Contramile and the new one, Nucon, and the be- better one coming out down the line in a few months' time, Vivens. It's a new amphetamine coming from the state. So we have, this is a very exciting year for ADHD. We've already they've launched in December the generic uh, which uh, Contramile, which is 30% cheaper. I've scripted about that is amazing. I've scripted about 180 patients and only about 5% said it's not strong enough or they don't like it. They went back to Concerta. But majority are okay with it. So there's a saving of 30%. Most medical aids are not paying for it. So it's great for the patients. They just love it. Yes, yeah, so it's uh, called Contramal XR. Yes. And... Uh, yeah, you can get it yeah. on, on script, obviously, from your pediatrician, yes. from, from the psychiatrist, it, it, whoever's monitoring your child yeah, who's on age. It is generic, and as you asked earlier, it's a multi-unit MUPS mechanism, multi-unit particulate system. The other thing is, it is uh, it's in little balls, it's a tablet, you can cut it in half if you're using a small dose, whereas, uh, whereas the Concerta, you can't do that. Uh, Concerta has the Aorus mechanism, it's quite superior, but this mechanism is equally good. And if you're taking 27 and you can buy a 54 and you want to save money, you can break it in half. The other thing, if you take these little balls and you do a cross section in the center you get sugar coating and around it you'll get the immediate release and then you get a polymer of the first extended release and the polymer that keeps it all together so in comparison they're nearly the same when we see the different graphs there's very little difference sure the few complaints I had is one of some of the guys said it's weak so we went to the next dose and it sorts it out the other thing I say I don't feel the oomph the power of Concerta that's okay so we go back to Concerta whatever they want and then how do medications work you, there's a big, so it blocks the reuptake of your own natural dopamine and norepinephrine, right? So if you don't take the medication, you lose it, and the nerve transmission is difficult to go across. But if it blocks it, there's a bridge between the two, uh, two receptors. So it keeps it. Yeah, so it goes right through. So it blocks it, keeps it intact. Now, there's a new medication coming out, <laughs> Vivens in South Africa, in about three, four, five months. It is superior in a way that it lasts 14 hours. The Concerta oh. Contramile doesn't last 12 hours. Most patients take it once a day. Our adolescents and adults take it twice a day because it's like petrol. I tell the patient, if you go to Durban, you need a full tank. If you come to Chai FM, you need a quarter tank, right? So you need less <laughs> gas if you come here. So what happens in the afternoon? Why should the teachers have a good life and why should the mothers suffer doing homework, right? Especially if these students are in matric or they have to study in evening or at nights or businessmen that have meetings in early evening. So you need to give the Contramile or Concerta twice a day so it lasts Right through. Now, the problem is, okay, if you're giving it twice a day, they won't sleep. But many of our patients, majority are combined type. And in a combined type, they are, they got a lot of energy, they high energy, so we use the breaks. And the side effect of breaks medication is sleep. 
So the stimulants keep you awake and the brakes make you sleep. So we don't have that problem with sleep. The stimulant cuts your appetite. The brakes, brakes like respiratory epilim, increases your sleep, increases your appetite. So it balances it out. So we got very good results and we tell them to exercise a lot. And with the medication, they do well. And we monitor it. How do you know you're on the right dose? We send a form with the teacher, to the teachers every month relating to the patient called response to treatment. And we look at what the teacher is looking at, what the teacher sees, and we see what's, what's missing, what's short. If they have a focus problem, they need more stimulant. If it's behavior problems, they need more breaks. The stimulants alone doesn't treat ADHD. It teaches the, uh, it teaches, um, super focus and retention and, uh, but it won't treat behavior. If a behavior moderate or moderately severe, you need, as I said, breaks. Breaks are epilim or respirator or the generic medication, something to keep it together. Now, um, they get into trouble because of the behavior at school. They don't get in trouble because of the marks. So behavior is very important. So how do these medications work? I, w- I told you work at a neuro, uh, receptor level. The other thing is, what is this, how do you decide what medication to use? So in the 1930s, they came out with the short-acting Ritalin. And at that time... The it long-lasting, uh, wasn't that? Uh, no, short-acting. Short-acting. 1930. It comes out, oh, in the 1930s. Yeah, no. It comes out 50% in one and a half hours. And it finishes in three and a half hours. At that time, there was nothing else. So it was the best. The only problem with it was it was very aggressive. Occasionally, it made them moody, suppressed their appetite, and irritated them. Then they said, "No, it's too short. Let's let's find a way to give it more often." So the doctor, the parents would give it at seven o'clock, and the doctors would say twelve o'clock, which is not fair because from seven o'clock it lasts three and a half hours. So ten thirty is finished, and if you're giving it at twelve o'clock, there's a one and a half hours of no treatment. So they said, "There's a cap. Let's do something with it." It's okay. Let's create another one. So they made Ritalin SR, sustained release, perfectly long, but was not good in the strength. It was useless. Sorry. So we don't use any or much uh, Ritalin SR. Then uh, Sanofi said, okay, let's uh, uh, take the Ritalin, and they put two Ritalins together to make it long. So they made Ritalin LA long-acting. It peaks, it goes down, it peaks, and goes down. So there's two peaks and a dip. <coughs> It covered the duration, but it didn't cover the smoothness. They said, no, we want a long one and a smooth one, and that's how Concerta came out. So ah, when Concerta so came out, it's sustained. Yeah, Concerta sustained long and smooth, so it comes out 22%, and it comes out uh, about 78%. Now, the contramile is 79% and 21%. It's nearly the same. It's a different mechanism, but it's, it's nearly the but same. But it's also long but, term yeah, and, it's smooth, and sustained. It's called extended release. It's smooth and long. Now, according to the drug companies, that it lasts 12 hours, but we don't get 12 hours. We get about eight hours, seven, eight, nine hours. That's what we get. So we ask the patient, when do you feel bored? When do you feel listless? When do you feel tired? They say, at oh, 2 o'clock, I feel all that stuff. So one hour before 2 o'clock, you can give the second concerta s- safely. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. We are completely out of time. Oh, thanks a lot. We'll come back whenever Dr. you want. Dr. Jeeva, <laughs> thank you very, very much. Next time... When you come back, I want to talk about ADHD in adults. Sure, with pleasure. But thank you very, very much. If you want the detail, go check out Dr. Jeeva's uh, website. It's called Dr. Jeeva's ADHD Clinic, Specialist Child and Adult Psychiatrist. Uh, the practice is in Waverley. Go and check it out. I have posted the link on the Chai FM Facebook page. If you've missed any contact details, contact our office, 10 140 Until next week, I wish you a wonderful, healthy week. God bless. Thank you. Medical Monday is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care.